Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. So on Wednesday, we had a crisis in the life of Jesus, the murder of John the Baptist. And honestly, I, I think that shook him to the very core. He needed time alone. He went to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, eight miles across, to be alone with God the Father, to confer with God, to understand what this meant. It was a tough night, a night that I'd be willing to bet he sweated blood in prayer. And when he came off the mountain, there the crowd was still with him. So he simply walked across the water. All he wanted to do was get home. And that scene provided, I think, comic interlude here in the Gospel according to Matthew. It's a very funny scene. So he got back on the other side, and, uh, well, sure enough, the crowds gather again the next day. And while he was teaching and healing the sick and, and doing his work, we read in chapter 15 that some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, they came all the way up to Galilee. That's about a 90-mile trip. And they confronted him. They said, <clears throat> excuse me, teacher, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Well, they walked 90 miles to tell Jesus that? After what Jesus has just dealt with, after what he struggled with, with the murder of John, they bring this up? And Jesus said to them, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. I'm sorry, I, I can't afford to support you because I tithe to the synagogue. He's not honoring his father with it. And thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You, you hypocrites. The word is hypocrites. That is, it means literally an actor. Someone pretending to be someone they're not. It's the most scathing comment Jesus will have for anyone to call them a hypocrite. You, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are rules taught by men. Jesus then called the crowd together. He said, gather round over here. Listen and understand. Now he's looking directly at these Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come all the way from Jerusalem. And he points at them, and he's looking at the crowd. Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. What comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. And he points at the Pharisees and teachers of the law. What they just said. You want to talk about being unclean? Look in the mirror, guys. Huh. 
And then the disciples came to him and they whispered into his ear, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And Jesus said, I don't care. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. Now they're still standing there. If a blind man leads a blind man, they'll both fall into a pit. And Peter said, uh, <clears throat> Lord, would you explain that parable to us? And Jesus just shook his head. Oh my gosh. Are you so stupid? I didn't tell you a parable. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, then out into the toilet? The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. These make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. And he points again at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who came from Jerusalem. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands? Well, I'd prefer you wash your hands before you eat, but hey, there's a world of difference here between these two. I, 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 I just, I, I, I'm fed up. And then we read, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, what does that tell you? Where are Tyre and Sidon? In Lebanon of today, way north of the Sea of Galilee, Gentile territory. What's Jesus doing going north to Tyre and Sidon? I don't know, after this episode, after the murder of John, after this clean and unclean business, people from Jerusalem confronting him, authorities, even his own disciples, Peter, would you explain the parable to us? I didn't tell you a parable. Well, I, I've, I've been waste, wasting my time here. I'm out of here. And Jesus headed north to Tyre and Sidon. And personally, I can't prove it, but I think he continued, he, I think his intention was to pass right through Tyre and Sidon and keep on going north. I'm done. Done. And as he was in the region of Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, saying, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My, my daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus didn't say a word. He kept right on walking. His disciple, who were tagging along behind, said, Lord, send her, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And he answered her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. At this point in Jesus' self-knowledge, in his self-understanding, 
Gentiles had nothing to do with his ministry. He was sent to those of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. She dropped down on her knees and she looked up at him begging, Lord, help me. And he looked at her with contempt in his eyes. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, there's no getting around this. Jesus just called the Canaanite woman a dog. That is the worst insult you could say to a person in the Middle East. Dogs, to people in the Middle East, are filthy creatures that run in packs, eat garbage. I've heard people say, well, he really meant a puppy. You're just so loving. No, it's an insult about the greatest insult he could say. Now, what would you think the woman would do? I think she might stand up and slap him. But she looked up at him again and said, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And with that, Jesus reacted as if he had been slapped. It took him aback. He, he looked shocked. He stepped back. And then he said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. So we learn that right after this, he turned around and headed back home to the Sea of Galilee. I truly think he was leaving that territory for good before he encountered this Canaanite woman. But her faith, her faith put him back on track. He left there, he went along the Sea of Galilee, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, many others. He laid them at his, they laid him at, uh, them at his feet and he healed them. People were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they, they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him. He said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they might faint on the way. Notice the change in attitude here. His disciples said, well, where, where do we get enough bread for this in this remote place to feed the crowd? He said, how many loaves do you have? Seven and a few fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he given thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples. They turned to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was 4,000 plus 
women and children. And after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadon. Now we have here a second feeding. And there are those, and I think it may well be a good possibility that we have a, a conflation here, the, the same story told two different times with slightly different details. Or, coming back, he once again went to that remote place on the east side, went up in the mountain. He conferred with God. The Canaanite woman really got his attention. <laughs> he confers with God the Father. He comes down off the mountain. And there's the crowd again. This time, though, his attitude seems different. He fed them. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to him, and they tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. A sign from heaven. So here they are, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Sadducees are from Jerusalem. These are the very same people who, who said, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? Show us a sign. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today, it will be stormy, the sky is red and overcast. Red sky in morning, sailor take warning. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. There is something moving here that is beyond your capability of understanding. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then turned on his heels and walked away. Nothing will be given but the sign of Jonah. Well, you know the story of Jonah. I think we've talked about this before. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh from Joppa on the east coast along the Mediterranean to Nineveh all the way over today just across the Euphrates River from Baghdad and preach to the Ninevites. Well, the Ninevites at the time of Jonah they're Assyrians. Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And they will totally obliterate the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 and take all those people away, captive, into Assyria. Which leads to the Babylonians conquering Assyria and the Babylonians taking Judah and Jerusalem and the beginning of the Babylonian captivity. Bad things happen as a result of the Assyrians. And you want me to go there and preach to the Ninevites so they repent? You know, we, we read in 1 Timothy that God wants all people to be saved. But Jonah said, well, God might want that, but I don't. I hope all the Ninevites go to hell. Miserable people. And if God sends me there, I know he's going to pull it off. I'm not going to do it. And he gets in a boat and he heads to Tarshish. Not quite sure where Tarshish is. Somewhere in Spain. 
as far away as he can get on the other side of the Mediterranean. But you know the story. A storm comes up, and they throw Jonah in the water, and he gets swallowed by a giant fish. Three days in the belly of the fish. And then the fish apparently turned and swam back to Joppa and bleh, vomited Jonah onto dry ground. People always say, well, how could, uh, how, could any, how could a person live in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights? Well, the question is, they can't. A person can't. Did Jonah live in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights? No, he was dead in the fish. And when he was, the fish vomited him on the dry ground, he's alive. It's a sign of resurrection. You want a sign, said Jesus? I'll give you a sign, the sign of Jonah. That is, what will the sign be for Jesus that validates fully who he is and what he was to do? Oh, he'll be crucified for sure. Arrested, tried, crucified, and buried. And then he'll be resurrected. He'll walk out of that tomb. That's the sign, the sign of Jonah. So when they went back across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. We're fixated on bread here. They have five loaves, they have seven loaves, they have some fish, and oh, Jeez, we forgot, we forgot the bread. <laughs> be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. See, I told you, yeast is always a negative image in Scripture. What the Pharisees and Sadducees say, the leaders from Jerusalem, is like yeast in the bread. It will ruin the entire thing because it just keeps growing and rotting the dough. They discussed this, uh, yeast of the Pharisees. Um, uh, I think he's really ticked off because we didn't bring any bread. Uh, aware of this discussion, Jesus said, O oh, ye of little faith. <sighs> Why are you talking about no bread? Do you still don't get it? Do you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? How many baskets full you gathered? Here we have a reference to two feedings, two separate stories. How is it you don't understand I was not talking about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What they say, what they do, is like that corrupting influence of yeast in an overripe batch of dough. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, finally. You know, I, I, I can sympathize with Jesus at this point. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've been an educator all my life, and, uh, and sometimes it's, it's like banging your head against the wall. You know, just don't get it. What? Sometimes it's like you're dealing with a, with a batch of morons. 
And Jesus is frustrated with that. Truly frustrated. What's he going to do now? Well, wait until Monday and see what happens. Jesus, from the time of John the Baptist's murder until now, conferring with God twice on the mountain, in deep prayer, encountering the Canaanite woman, I think he's learning deeply about who he is and what he is to do and what the implications of that might mean. On Monday, next podcast, Jesus will take Peter and the others north to the region of Caesarea Philippi. It's about a 50-mile walk north. And he'll ask them a question. Who do people say I am? Because he's been asking himself that question. Up at Caesarea Philippi, we have Peter's confession of faith. And after that, Jesus knows precisely who he is and what he's to do. From Caesarea Philippi, they head to the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter's confession of faith is validated by God the Father in the presence of two credible witnesses, Moses and Elijah. And then he heads south, setting his face like flint toward Jerusalem and the cross. We have a very dramatic sequence here, beginning with the murder of John the Baptist, leading to Peter's confession of faith, and God validating Peter's confession of faith, sealing Jesus' understanding, self-understanding, self-knowledge, and what it is he's to do and how he's to do it. So Monday, folks, on we go to Caesarea Philippi. Thank you for being with me again. I I so much appreciate your being here and uh, following me along on these podcasts. Uh, This is now podcast number 103, so we're moving on toward 200 uh, that will hit here somewhere along the way. But uh, it's a great privilege to be here with you and to have you listening. Thank you. Love all of you. Blessings to you. And I'll see you again on Monday. Bye-bye now.